The Cannabis 101 podcast is presented by Stone Smiths. Have you seen the slash? Made by users for users. Engineered for flavor. One of the coolest features around. A built-in loading tool. Learn more at www.stonesmiths.ca. of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast, bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Malka LaBelle of the Green Generation Co. joining me on the business of cannabis. Find out how Malka can help you at www.greengencompany.com. And uh, Malka, uh, before we get started, I just thought I'd give you a look at what my office view is. Oh. I'm, uh, I'm sure uh, Southern Alberta <laughs> isn't a whole lot different, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to embrace winter this year. So uh, looking at it and then going out and making snow angels is how I'll do that. Yeah, we had that storm too. You know what? It was so windy, it didn't stick. Oh. <laughs> so it's really sunny. It's cold, but it definitely snowed, but it was too windy for it to stick. Well, this is uh, one of the times where I'm very grateful. I live in a condo and I do not have to shovel because all I saw on social media <laughs> were people shoveling over and over and over again. And and if you wait until it stops snowing, the snow is so heavy, so you kind of have to do it. So I've been there before. Glad I'm not there now. But uh, anyway, let's get to our uh, lead topic on the business of cannabis. And um, we, we talked a lot about heading into the U.S. election, what kind of impact and and through all the gong show that has been the U.S. election and still is, the oh, one God. thing that was the biggest winner was cannabis. A hundred percent. So the stat that I got uh, today was that now four more states were legalized. Uh, uh, that was Arizona, New Jersey, South Dakota, and Montana. But now one in three American citizens live in the a legal recreational state. So if you think about the population, uh, largely in California and, and all of the states that are green, um, that's one third of Americans live in a, a legal rec state. So that's huge. I mean, if you talk about, you know, tipping the tipping the point around what's, you know, what's really popular, Americans have said it, they like cannabis um, and they voted for it. They voted for it uh, directly through a plebiscite or on their ballot, which means that what it was, it wasn't uh you know, an election issue, it was on the ballot for them to vote on specifically. So that's a huge uh, vote for the cannabis sector um, and very important. But I think what more importantly out of all of this is, is why, how does that impact us as Canadians and our, you know, our, what was once thought of as really our true um, differentiator and our lead in legal cannabis uh, um, legalization um, I think what the, the key takeaways here are that this has really helped, you know, partly to end the stigma, but more primed um, the population of investment community uh, and for them to sort of sort of really pay attention and look at what are the differentiated, differentiated types of opportunities to invest in and, and where 
their um, you know particular investment proclivity lies, um, particularly for public companies. So now that we've seen sort of this whole you know cannabis had a, a 1.0 with a massive boom on expectations and then a 2.0 with 2.0 coming out. Now we're really starting to see where the cards fall when it comes to publicly traded cannabis companies. And many of the U.S. companies are traded on Canadian stock exchanges, mm. which means that they have to have a head office or have an office somewhere in Canada, whether on paper or whatever. But what that means is that uh, that's going to impact uh, our own opportunity as uh, collecting taxes from those companies and giving more visibility um, from a public perspective on how these companies are operating. So that's a huge good thing for Canada, but mm -hmm. also makes it much more competitive. So the Canadian companies operating in the Canadian space um, are now sort of up against the operations and the profitability um, on the stock market against some of these larger, really now companies that are multi-state operators. So um, MSOs, I'm not sure if you've heard that term before, Dean, but the MSO is considered the multi-state operators. And it really is a result of, you know, how cannabis unroll, unveiled in the U.S., where each state chose to become legal, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to in Canada, where it's federally legal, and then each province sort of just gets to, uh, you know, roll out the regulations. But multi-state operators, similar to how in Canada we have this patchwork of different types of regulations, multi-state operators have had to figure out how to operate their business model in more than one jurisdiction with different rules applying. So from a, a business standpoint, what I like about this is that it's similar in Canada where everybody is sort of still a small guy. There is no such thing as like big companies that are doing a rollout across an entire country. Um, and it's really like almost from the ground up. And and this is benefit, this benefits Canada. It sort of levels the playing field, I guess, is the best way to describe it. That it, it really is uh, kind of interesting how that that um, the the I guess the lead that we had the two year lead as you and you kind of talked about uh, being competitive could yeah. vanish very quickly and I really hope this maybe forces Canada to take a look at themselves. Yeah, not only that, but it also primes Canadian companies for merger and acquisition activity. So we've talked mm -hmm. about this a little bit before on our last podcast. Um, so the Canadian companies are going to be looking pretty, trying to get pretty shiny up for their potential acquirement by U.S. companies or vice versa. So mm -hmm. this merger and acquisition uh, situation that's been happening across the board very rapidly. Um, if people aren't paying attention and they're just sort of now tuning in that cannabis is something that they should invest in. They're kind of uh, behind the ball, but there's a lot of groups that are really trying to make this as clear as muddily possible um, in a new industry. But my bet is on the ancillary companies. And we've talked about these guys before. There's a lot of them. Um, we're both ancillary companies operating um, uh, sort of alongside the cannabis sector, talking about and sharing information, as well as collecting data from all of um, companies that are either multi-state, multi-jurisdictional or you know cross-border. So we've talked before about Dutchie doing this, a lot of the, the data companies, a lot of the companies that I talk about that are running sort of software systems, they're not really a regulated good. They're still just a software company in a regulated industry. So for me, those are the ones to watch. Um, that's why where my attention goes is how are these companies tracking this information of new potential clients, prospects in all these different regions and what are the different landscape of regulation around it? Um, 
the other big thing is that, you know, with COVID kind of playing into this as being an accelerant to the industry, we're seeing this whole concept of vice um, vices and what is a vice category or vice investment category. So vices, I love the picture of that graphic there is funny, but it's, uh, you know, we're talking about gambling, you're talking about cannabis, talking about sex tech and the sex industry, as well as the tobacco gaming. Those are all, and alcohol obviously being the biggest one, those are all considered vice industries where, you know, when things are shitty and we're in the life and in the world of people, um, these types of, of industries and these products thrive. And my argument, and I talk about this in my blog, I have a lot of commentary around why cannabis is a good vice, where a vice tends to hurt you in the long term. It tends to be addictive. It tends to drain your bank account. And it tends to get you hooked on something that isn't really a good behavioral activity. But now the cannabis is becoming legal across you know, North America. Um, the stigma and the the why it's bad for you argument is largely being talked about in the it's not real anymore that the positive aspects of cannabis and the benefits are coming out more and more how it's healthier for you as than some of these other vices it doesn't have the same kind of addictive qualities you can still function and it can actually be good for people in the long run to use cannabis as a protective of their own bodies in the face of such um you know harsh things like COVID and other things. We haven't heard categorically, the research is still out yet, is uh, still to be determined. But what we're learning is that our bodies are primed to use cannabis for a long term, and that is a good thing. And more of that will come as more legalization and more research happens. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, that, certainly the best thing. And, you know, Canadian companies getting involved has already happened. Uh, we talked about it on This Week in Cannabis News earlier that, uh, Afria has uh, purchased uh, Sweetwater Brewing, and so Canadian companies uh, were eyeing this up. Who we'll, we'll see once the election ever ends uh, what happens uh, with decriminalization and, and, and moving towards federally. But uh, right now, certainly going by state, uh, the Americans are gaining on this two-year lead that Canada has had. And it, it's going to take some work, and it's going to take Canada, uh, our company and our, our country, rather, and our, uh, our government to say, okay, do we want to be the leader of cannabis yeah. in the world? And, and it's going to, a decision is going to have to be made. Yeah, exactly. So we'll wait to see what changes are on our regulatory side. Side, I am involved in a lot of those policy conversations with industry and government. Uh, and there are some roundtables happening for more engagement uh, on how, how our government should change things. So that's actually starting right now in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned uh, and check that out. If you're interested in, in learning more, you can definitely contact me for more information on, on those discussions. Alrighty, let's uh, get to Changemakers now and uh, tell us what we're talking about when it comes to Changemakers and literally making a change out there when it comes to some products. Yeah, so this is sort of an interesting uh, play on letters and words. I think this, I think this is really neat. So this company um, or this product is they're really focusing on hemp based packaging solutions. Um, they call themselves HWWH, and I believe it stands for Heal the World with Hemp uh, Packaging. And this is, a, I think, a Berta based company, and they're really trying to lean in to obliterate the boon of the plastics in the cannabis sector. Um, we know that the the cannabis packaging laws around what how a, 
cannabis is contained has literally harmed the plant inside the package um, and really reduces the actual um, enjoyment of, you know, getting those terpene profiles. And the, the, the LPs and the producers of cannabis have really been like scratching their heads on like, how do we get past this whole packaging situation? So this company is coming up with a solution to make packaging out of, um, I think, I believe it's um, cannabis waste products. So, you know, when you're producing cannabis and cultivation and processing, there is an amount that has to be disposed of for um, various reasons, and it can be consumed into the body, but it can be repurposed as a, as a pulp or a fiber that can be mixed with more hemp uh, fiber to make a sustainable actual packaged good. So we're talking about um, boxes and jars and containers where they're made from um, com uh, hemp and, and other waste uh, cannabis fibers that are demonstrably more sustainable than using, you know, native or, or raw forestry products. Um, and because they're hemp based, this is kind of creating a circular type economy. They're local, like they're in Alberta, I believe. And that means that they're making their products so that people in Alberta and the producers in Canada can use them from, you know, without having that carbon footprint of crossing an ocean. So that's really cool. Um, and I think they're working towards compostable containers as well. But for right now, some of the initial things that I've seen have been really neat. And I can't wait to see what this company does. So um, this is my change maker for the week. Yeah, H or www.hwwhpackaging.com. Uh, I really like that. Uh, I love this concept and, uh, you know, I've, I've, our very second episode way back when on this show was all about hemp and the amount of products that we can make. And, and I still, I don't know why we just don't have giant hemp fields growing everywhere just for the benefit of the environment. And I don't know why hempcrete uh, isn't used more uh, when it comes to building products. Yeah, I'm working on that one too. I got some clients that are talking about that too. The, the hempcrete is a great conversation. We'll save that one for another day and I'll definitely bring some examples of what people are trying to do in that space. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, just the, the you know, we've we've talked about hemp a few different times on the, in this segment and it's uh, it's certainly well worth it. We also like to talk about what it means to be green. And in this case, uh, the headliner for this, uh, what it means to be green is a lack of green as an indicator is not a good thing. So tell us what you're chatting about here. Yeah. So this is, this just came to my, my site when, you know, we're watching the COVID maps and, you know, with all the <laughs> different parts of the country and the world and where COVID numbers are going up. Um, green generally means that things are getting better. So as in the case of this, the screenshot that's about, this was a US one, but the Canadian ones were equivalent. There has very, been very little green left on the map, uh, which means that the COVID numbers, people infection rates are going up, not down. It's getting worse, not better. And that's what I was highlighting with what it means. Green usually means that things are good. And in this case, not so good. Um, even in Alberta, we're seeing more restrictions about, you know, having to stay home and not have people over. Um, but what I really wanted to touch on here was COVID is a symptom of a much larger societal problem. Um, COVID is literally a disease and it's a population control mechanism. I bring up um, our lovely friend over here, Thomas Malthus from like the 1890s. We've talked about him before. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that this is the, the subject matter comes up because in the 1890s, when he wrote his book, an essay on the principles of population, and I studied in him about him in you know, my social studies class in, in high school, what we were talking about at the time was how the basically these our entire planet is a living thing. 
Um, and as humans, we are not in control. <laughs> and and having COVID ri levels rise is not a problem that we get to fix. It is a problem that we have to essentially just deal with because the planet will tell us if we've got it right or not. And I know this is kind of ominous and seems very ethereal, but what I'm trying to say is that um, Thomas Malthus talked about three major hypotheses of how uh, populations control uh, exist. And war is a major one, famine and disease. And in, the, in 2020, we're dealing with the disease of COVID, which is essentially because of famine and famine is as a result of climate change and migration of people in different regions moving to different parts of the world because they can't literally live where they were from because the temperatures are too high and there's no food for them to eat these are examples of what are the steps that have that sort of happen for population to be controlled and that means population to decrease so these are i'm just highlighting that these is this is kind of doom and gloomy but there's a reason for this covid was not a man-made disaster covid is an example of the planet saying back off people you're there's too many of you and i can't keep working as a planet for you all to live here at the same time so that's what this is. This is the planet's sy uh, symptom of, of us saying that, you know, we've encroached on the uh, the environment too much and we need to back up <laughs> and back backtrack. And we've already started seeing this with COVID is that, you know, population density of areas that were super high dense are, there's a lot more rural real estate being sold. Like the numbers of people buying houses in less dense areas is on the rise as a result, direct result of COVID. Um, so we're starting to see the population spread out, which is a good thing. That means the people can be maintained uh, in different places and not be so, you know, draining on the resources and climate of climate in the centers that are closest to oceans and other natural habitats. But, you know, how are we going to survive? What is it going to take for the human species to survive? It's not up to us. It's up to the planet to decide that. So I think vaccine is definitely a good way for us to be inoculated against COVID, but it's not the answer. It's only one part of the, the picture. But what it really means is becoming greener, being more respectful of our planet and treating our planet with way more respect than we treat ourselves. Because if the planet isn't healthy, then we're not going to exist anymore. So that's my dark yet ethereal way of talking about what it means to be green. Well, we saw, listen, we saw in the, in the very early stages of, uh, of COVID-19 and, and who knows if we'll see it again, the way it's trending. I'm, I'm not optimistic of, over the last little while that it's going to get a whole lot better. I hope it does. But we saw in the, in the kind of the early stages when, you know, the entire world shut down. Like you saw the Vegas strip empty. You saw animals coming <coughs> back to Sorry. places where they, didn't uh you know normally in, encroach on i mean they were returning to yeah. and we saw you know we saw some of the smog going away so it, it's it, it's i don't know how you can deny the science anymore when the evidence was there of when the world basically <laughs> shut down the the, the earth got let, got healthier yeah and i think we need to pay attention to that a hell of a lot more yeah. um it's not being it's not being highlighted enough but this is what it means to be green this is why I, i'm doing what i'm doing um and that the 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 industrialization of our planet the steepg model all of those things are examples of where the money is what matters and it really has to the conversation has to change and i think we're now seeing that a lot more but it still has to we have to push even harder and that's that's what it's all about that's why i'm here the green generation company 
I'm with you on that one. Uh, a healthier planet is better for us and those that uh, will come after us. Melka, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I leave you with one more look at my uh, <laughs> view outside of my office here. Uh, check out www.greengencompany.com and find out how Melka can help you. Thanks as always, Melka. Thanks, Dean. Have a great week.